0: Alright, turn with me today to Matthew chapter number 10. This is Matthew survey class 10 and we are in chapter 10. And in these classes we simply read the scripture. There's very little comments. There are some comments, but the commentary is very light. We're just familiarizing ourselves with the Scripture. We're going to try to do this for every book in the Bible. This is the first survey class that we've done in this manner. There are other types of survey classes. But in these survey classes, in this particular series, we're going through each book of the Bible. We did start in the book of Matthew. We're going to try to go through all the chapters of the Bible, all the books of the Bible and familiarize ourselves with it with really Very little commentary other than just the scripture itself. So let's get started today. Matthew chapter number 10, verse number 1. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, the names of the twelve apostles are these. Now, what he's going to do in chapter 10 is he's going to take these disciples, verse 1, and he is making them into apostles. And the word apostle means one that is sent, a sent one. And of course, these are, uh, they turn out to be in the book of Revelation. You understand they are the apostles of the Lamb. They are Christ's own personal apostles they're not sent out by the church of christ they're not sent out by men they're not ordained of men they're chosen by jesus christ himself in his earthly ministry and sent out by him and so in verse number one he says they are 12 disciples and that's what everyone must be before if you before you can be sent you must be discipled before you can do the work you must be trained and that is what they were before matthew chapter 10 they were disciples in matthew chapter 10 they are sent out to do a specific work and then again in the end of the gospels they are sent out into all the world to preach the gospel so we'll see some of those basic truths here in the chapter you're first a disciple and then you're sent to do the job that god called you to do now the names of the 12 apostles are these the first simon who is called peter And Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labias, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth. That is what the word apostle means. One that is sent or one that is sent forth to do a specific thing. And in this case, it is to preach the gospel. It is to to preach the message or, or the preaching that God bid them to do. Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. See, in this case, they're not sent out to all the world. They're sent to the to the Jews to the children of Israel these twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any of the city of the Samaritans enter ye not but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel definitely a dispensational guideline and as ye go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand heal the sick cleanse, cleanse the lepers raise the dead cast out devils freely ye have received freely give provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses nor script for your journey neither two coats neither shoes nor yet staves for the workman is worthy of his meat and into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter inquire who in it is worthy and abide till ye go thence and when ye come into an house salute it And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now this is a passage of scripture here we can make a little comment on and that is basically to say that there are degrees of punishment. Now it would be very bad to go to hell be very bad to do that but I believe that even in hell there will be a degree of punishment. I believe it would be more tolerable for some people than it will be for others. It will be bad no matter what. There's no question of that. The Bible says that in hell there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth now I don't want any part of that but as, as the scripture says here it says the people that would not hear in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah it would be better for them than it would be to hear Christ's own disciples to preach and not believe that Christ sent them personally to tell the gospel to preach the gospel the good news of the kingdom and if they wouldn't receive it at the at the good hand of God then these people would be in very much worse shape than the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now, let me say this in verse 14 and 15 again, that there is so much to learn about this subject, about uh, hell and the penalties of sin and the penalties of unbelief. That are not only in this life, but also in the life to come you're going to have Penalties in this life for unbelief and certainly you'll have penalties uh, when this life is over There will be penalties for unbelief What's being said here is basically and simply that there is a degree of punishment and You may suffer worse or less in this life. You may suffer Worse or less in the life to come. I'm not giving a doctrinal statement about uh, what all that entails. I'm just telling you here that there is a degree of suffering and there is a degree of penalty. There is some that will be less bearable. There is some that will be more bearable and that the fact of that alone is what's being said here in the passage. Verse number 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I think in this case, maybe a little commentary is necessary. A snake usually has a pretty good understanding about when to fight and when to slither away, when to, uh, I guess, to survive, to to fight another day the snake gets cornered into a place where he can't get away. He'll strike and he'll retaliate or he'll defend himself. If you want to put it in terms that will be a little bit friendly to your, uh friendlier to your own situation. You've got to know when to fight. You've got to know when it would be advantageous for you to stand your ground. And you certainly need to know when to live to fight another day. And whatever you do, whether you're standing up for right or whether you're standing up for yourselves, the Bible says to be harmless as dove. And I believe harm is a a very relative term. Uh, Let's just put it in maybe a a little bit. uh, Let's put it in terms that maybe have Uh, a little bit uh, that maybe are a little bit detracted from the actual context of the verse but if someone were to break into your house and you defended yourself and perhaps you had to use deadly force I still don't believe that that's harmful, that's defensive. In other words, they harmed themselves by breaking into your home. They harmed themselves. They put themselves in harm's way by doing that which was not right. And so in this case, he says, you're to be, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. He says, be ye therefore wise as serpents, you are to know when and where. And uh, how much venom to use? You to know all of that stuff. But at the same time, you don't go out and you don't be the the causer. You don't be the you don't be the effect of harm. You don't be the one who causes the harm. You you go out if you must stand up. If you must use uh, the Bible says we're to have grace seasoned with salt. If you are to use the saltier, bolder, stronger language. Uh, Maybe a more vehement tone of voice. Make sure you're not doing that in a harmful way. and Maybe you're doing it in a defensive way. A defense of a doctrine. If somebody teaches a false doctrine. You stand up in defense of it. Make sure that you're doing it in a way that's defensive to the gospel. And defensive to the the true principles of God. Rather than just going out to be uh, harmful to somebody else. Or maybe slanderous to somebody else. If they deserve Uh, a reprimand, if they deserve a rebuke, then they've done that to themselves. This certainly isn't saying that Uh, standing up for yourself in a bold way or standing up for the gospel in a bold way or earnestly contending for the faith that's harmful to others that's not harmful to others i have heard it said that preachers who are preaching against sin are hurting people no people who are committing sins are hurting themselves that's what they're doing and there's absolutely nothing wrong with the preacher standing up and preaching against sin declaring that sin is going to kill you the wages of sin is death and that surely is a snake that needs his head taken off from time to time. And, if, and I would say that you do more harm by trying to stop preachers from preaching against sin than a preacher is. Uh, in regards to preaching on sin himself, he's not doing the harm the person's doing the harm to themselves by committing the sin by living in those sins, by not repenting of those sins that they don't have a heart that's broken because of those sins they don't have a conscience that's pricked because of those sins, and so they're doing themselves the harm. The Christian's supposed to stand up, he's supposed to do right, he's supposed to preach right, he's supposed to stand up for goodness and right, and also mercy and forgiveness supposed to stand up for those things and you ought to do those things and you ought to do them with wisdom and you ought to realize that the harm is being done by others to themselves and that we shouldn't be as christians though the one that are uh intentionally going out seeking to harm and to hurt that's not the role of the christian and so he says here but beware of men for they will deliver you up uh, to the councils, and they will scourge you in the synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake. It's going to reach beyond the religious scale, it's going to go out into the world. You'll not only have to answer to the Pharisees, he's saying, but you'll have to stand before kings as well. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. God's going to use the response to the witness. The Christian is to go out and witness, and that response that they give, whether it be by a governor, whether it's a, rather if it's a ruler, a king, as supreme. These men are going to give an account for their response that we don't have to overcome the world. We don't have to defeat the world. We don't have to take over the world. We just have to preach to the world and the world will give an account for how they respond to the gospel and how they treat God's people. There's no question about that. Uh, If you want an example of that, Matthew chapter 25 in the judgment of the nations. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child and the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved now this verse this passage of scripture has now taken a dispensational stance the lord has called them here in matthew chapter 10 and of course you understand matthew chapter 10 written a little bit after the fact it's it's looking uh, at a from a hindsight uh, viewpoint and it's telling what happened but in chapter 10 here the lord is about to send out his disciples he said you're going to go to this city and go to that city But here he says he begins to talk about enduring to the end as if uh, he is in Matthew chapter 24 talking about the tribulation, the great tribulation which is described in Matthew chapter 24. And also when he says in verse 23, But when they persecute you in this city, flee you into another. For verily I say unto you, Ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. It is a second advent passage now. And he's giving them this instruction as if it's going to take place. Right at this particular time. I'm sending you out. You're going to go throughout all the cities. And before you go through all the cities. I'm going to come. Well that doesn't make sense. Unless it's viewed in a dispensational standpoint. As though. His commandments for these 12 disciples. Are going to be fit. For those. And going to have effect for those. Who are given the commission to preach. In the book of Revelation. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely certain. And so at the same passage. The Lord is. Uh, the Lord is giving His own twelve disciples a mandate to go out into the land of Israel and preach this thing also applies to those virgins who are going to be sent out to preach all over the land of Israel all over the land of Israel in the book of Revelation and so this is definitely definitely a dispensational look at Matthew chapter 10 in which it makes no sense if you look at it in just a uh, happenstance that took place 2,000 years ago and only applied to the actual events of Matthew chapter 10. Makes no sense that way. And that is a whole lot more in-depth than I wanted to go. So we're going to move on and we're going to pass over this. And you have that dispensational thought in your mind, but let's get back to basics here. Verse number 24. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his lord. If they have called the master of the house, Jesus, Beelzebub, If they call Jesus Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? If they treated Jesus badly, if they talk bad about him, they're going to talk bad about you. If you're one of their children, one of of Jesus' children, one of Jesus' servants, one of Jesus' preachers, one of Jesus' apostles. If you're one of the followers of the Lamb, you're going to be treated like the Lamb was treated. And many times that means to be sacrificial. Your life is going to be a sacrificial life. And it has an eternal benefit just as your masters did. Verse number 26. Fear them not therefore for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. And hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness that speak ye in light. And what ye hear in the ear that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men... Him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his Father. And the daughter against her mother. And the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Now you'll recall back in verse number 20, 21, 22. It says that the brother shall shall deliver up the brother to death. And the father the child. This tells me that uh, in this life. But so much more so, in the spiritual life that we live, there's very little loyalty in this world. Now, it is in some cases that men will give up their brothers for a dollar. And men will turn their back on their family for a little bit of gain. But especially in the spiritual world, men will give just about everything that they have. Even the devil. And the idea of the devil is is this. Skin for skin, all that a man hath will he give for his life. And that's generally true. If if the devil has deceived a man into thinking that his life consists of the things of this world, then he will certainly sell out his brother or his mother or his sister or his wife or his children for the sake of uh, of this earthly uh, gain or of the, or of this earth's good. And one thing that we ought to realize as a Christian is that in the spiritual world there's no loyalty. And we ought not to expect loyalty from the world. And expect kindness from the world. There are some cases in the Bible. Even Paul was treated well by barbarous people. But you'll recognize in that same chapter in the book of Acts. When Paul was treated very well by the barbarous people. They they first thought he was a god and worshipped him but then they thought he was the worst thing ever and tried to kill him and the world is very fickle and if you think you've got yourself a little popularity then you just wait until the rubber meets the road and people have to uh, sacrifice the flesh for the spiritual benefit and they'll sacrifice the spiritual every time and they'll offer you up in that sacrifice as well so remember that and take heed to it that your lord told you that it would be that way to begin with a man foes to be they of his own household. When you decide to walk with Jesus, you're deciding to walk with a different family. It's time right now you realize you're going to have some hardship in this life as far as family is concerned when you, try, when you think that everybody is going to believe on the Lord like you have. There's heartache involved with that. But as the Bible says, the joy comes in the morning. The joy will come one day when the Lord wipes away all tears. But don't let the doubt and the discomfort of this world Uh, tear your heart away from doing the right thing and the Lord's told you before it took place that this is the way it's going to happen trust him at his word and go forward when he tells you to serve he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me he that findeth his life shall lose it and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it he that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth the prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth the righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise... Lose his reward. All right, lots of wonderful things in that passage of Scripture. We'll pick up next time in Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 1.